Knowing that we have peace with God is so critical in our relationship with Him. If Satan can attack our belief in the peace that we have with God, how greatly will that impact how we approach our God? How could anyone see Him as a loving and merciful Heavenly Father if their feet aren't shod with the gospel of peace? If we aren't always walking in the known peace we have with God, and we aren't always wearing the armor on our feet, then every step is painful and prone to inducing in bitterness and timidity towards God. Don't try to live for God in your own strength and with your own defenses, but take up the full armor of God, and you will be able to stand against every scheme of the devil. We're continuing our series on standing firm in the Lord. We saw last episode that our strength comes from God, and He is continuously supplying His strength. The purpose of this endued strength is so we can stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Ephesians 6, 10-11 says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. We saw the importance of putting on the full armor of God because any missing portion leaves you open and vulnerable to the schemes of the enemy. We also saw that our struggle is not with people or things of this world, but with Satan and his demons that work through the world systems and the specific situations of our normal daily activities and relationships. And now that we know that we've been given divine and uniquely supplied strength from God, we are commanded to take up the full armor of God. With that, let's look at our text in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 13 through 17. Therefore, take up the full armor of God, so that you will be able to resist in the evil day. And having done everything to stand firm, stand firm therefore, having girded your loins with truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, in addition to all, taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Let's look at the significance of each piece of armor that God has supplied to us. Now remember, since we've been supplied the ability to take up the armor, as well as supply the armor itself, it is up to us to put it on. First it says, having girded your loins with truth. We've spoken in the past about this same concept, but look, let's look again with fresh eyes today. Since Paul has in mind the analogy of a soldier in speaking of armor, we must look through that lens. Soldiers wore long tunics that were almost dress-like. These tunics would hang low and free-flowing. In preparation for battle, these soldiers would take a belt and pull up all their long tunic and tuck it into the belt so they could move unobstructed. The, the idea here is to pull all the loose ends in and be prepared for anything that would come. Now, the girdle itself was an essential component of the soldier's attire. It was not a flashy or showy piece, but it was the piece that held everything together. It many times kept the breastplate in place, and later it actually supported the sword. Its chief purpose was to keep things in place so the soldier had freedom of movement. Now, notice it says we are to gird our loins with truth. What is he talking about when he says truth? 
One commentator defines truth as the mind that will practice no deceits and attempt no disguises in our communion with God. The idea here is truthfulness, or said simply, not being a hypocrite. Put this entire meaning together. The girdle was meant to hold all things together and keep things in place. Thus, without this piece, it can be assumed that all things would fall apart or move out of place, causing great obstruction and hindrances. Simply put, if we do not live in truth, what we say we believe, everything else is out of place. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9.27, But I discipline my body and make it my slave, so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not become disqualified. The word discipline literally means to hit under the eye. It's a boxing term of anguish, of strict discipline in their training. He's saying, I literally subdue by extreme force my body or my flesh. I make it my slave so that after I preach to others, I'm not found to be a hypocrite, which would disqualify me. Now keep in mind that we put on our armor to resist the schemes of the devil. And the devil lies in anxious anticipation for you to show one sliver of hypocrisy and deceit so he can exploit you. He will not only exploit your hypocrisy to those around you, but he works hard to rub every instance of hypocrisy in your own face as a way to subvert any future desires to be a witness. Satan loves to tempt us with the shame of our past in an effort to extinguish the fire within us to serve Christ. So girding your loins with truth means to pull all the loose ends in that would destroy your witness and make you a hypocrite, the things that can be used against you as shame. And he exhorts us to live in truth before God, giving no opportunity for Satan to exploit us. Next, he says, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate was usually a tough, sleeveless piece of leather or heavy material with animal horn or hoof pieces sewn onto it. It covered the soldier's entire torso, protecting his heart and other vital organs. This piece is the soldier's greatest defense of any attack from the enemy because it covered a majority of their bodies and the most vital parts of the body. Now, since we see from the first piece of armor that we are dealing with a pure and blameless life, we can understand the breastplate of righteousness to mean holy and righteous living. This is not referring to the imputed righteousness one receives when they became saved and their sins were washed away. If that was the case, then it would be understood that everyone who is a believer already has their armor on, and there would be no need for Scripture to command us to put it on. And so what we are dealing here with is a life of righteous living before God, or a sanctifying righteousness. 2 Corinthians 7.1 says, Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all defilement of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. The breastplate of righteousness is a life yielded to the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. You are not the originator of the righteousness, but rather it is the natural fruit produced from a life submitted fully to God. 1 Thessalonians 4.3 says, For this is the will of God, your sanctification. We have all asked the same question, God, what is your will for me? And this verse answers it so simply, your sanctification. Why is this piece of armor so important? 
Because a life not submitted to God in which the Holy Spirit produces righteousness as the natural result is a life open to the desires and allurements of the flesh. A life in service to the desires of the flesh is a life that the enemy loves to engorge with every possible desire of the flesh. Without the breastplate on, the enemy is able to entice your flesh more easily as if to fatten you up for his slaughter. Galatians 5.16-17 says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desires against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. Put your breastplate on. Commit yourself to the work of holiness that he is doing in your life because he is preparing his bride to be without spot or wrinkle before his return. Can I just say, one of the ways that Satan got me for a long time was tricking me into believing that the desire for holiness and sanctification was legalism. And so I rebelled against it because I didn't want to be considered quote-unquote religious. I despised the Pharisees in the Bible. I know it sounds a bit ridiculous, but I have such a heart for people who have turned away from God because of the legalism and partiality in churches that make holiness a personal achievement instead of the divine work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the one submitted to him. It was as if I believed I had to show these cast-off people my own wretchedness for them to know that God would have grace on them also. How much better is it to show a life of holiness and say, but for the grace of God, I would be wallowing in my sins with no hope of producing any good thing of myself. There is tremendous freedom in allowing yourself to live out the holiness that he is producing in you. For he said, be holy as I am holy. So we are to put the breastplate of righteousness on, which is submission to God, which produces fruit of righteousness in our lives. Next it says, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Roman soldiers would wear boots or even sandals studded with nails in them to grip the ground in battle. It was what gave them firm footing so they would not slip. It says, have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel. The word preparation in the Greek is a word that means establishment or firm foundation. It's saying having, have a firm foundation of the gospel of peace. The gospel of peace means the good news that believers now have peace with God through Christ. Remember, this is talking to believers in the passage. So he isn't telling them to get saved. He's telling them that they can, have, that they can stand firm because God is on their side because they have peace with God. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, Having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Knowing that we have peace with God is so critical in our relationship with Him. If Satan can attack our belief in the peace that we have with God, how greatly will that impact how we approach our God? Maybe we will just resist God because to not believe we have peace with Him means that we are at war with Him, or He is at war with us. How could anyone see him as a loving and merciful Heavenly Father if their feet aren't shod with the gospel of peace? If we aren't always walking in the known peace we have with God, and we aren't always wearing the armor on our feet, then every step is painful and prone to inducing in bitterness and timidity towards God. In addition to this, 
How effective can we be for him if we are always questioning if he is on our side or not? We need to rejoice and delight in our peace with God and come boldly to him. Let's look at the next piece of armor in verse 16. It says, In addition to all, taking up the shield of faith, with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. The shield the Roman soldiers used was very large, and it protected their entire body. It stood about four feet tall by two and a half feet wide, so one could easily crouch behind it for protection. And this shield that protects our entire body is faith. Paul is referring to basic trust in God here, not saving faith. Our biggest and best defense against the enemy is our trust in God. Proverbs 35 says, Every word of God is tested. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. The enemy works hard to erode your trust in God. When your circumstance doesn't turn out the way you prayed for it to, he swoops in to begin his work. And so it is up to us to take our shield in trusting in God so we can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. The shields that they had were coated in leather and drenched in oil, so they wouldn't just deflect the arrows, but they would altogether extinguish them. When we don't have our shield of faith up, we will get hit with doubt upon doubt upon doubt, with the purpose of setting ablaze any trust in God that remains. Take up your shield of faith. Next in verse 17, he says, Take the helmet of salvation. This is not salvation, but the assurance of salvation, because this is written to believers. If we don't have this piece of armor on, the devil will begin to attack our very foundation and make us doubt our salvation. You know, one of the most crippling teachings in in some churches is that one can lose their salvation. That somehow we are 100% saved by grace and we could do nothing to earn our salvation. Yet it is taught that keeping your salvation is on the basis of your works. This is a destructive doctrine that has no scriptural support. For the sake of staying on point, I will resist the urge to review the doctrine of eternal security, or also called perseverance of the saints. But it is critical to understand that believers stand eternally at peace with God. How ineffective and susceptible to attack is the Christian who is always doubting their salvation, or believes that with every occurrence of sin that they lose their salvation. Satan loves this bad teaching, as it keeps believers spiritual infants because they can never get beyond the work of salvation to actually living for God. So put on the helmet of salvation, so no doubt can creep in that you are not his. Jesus said in John 10, 28, And I give eternal life to them, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Finally, the last piece of equipment is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The sword was was the soldier's only weapon because it was the only weapon they needed to defeat the enemy. The Greek word for sword here means a small sword, about 6 to 18 inches long. The sword that is the Word of God is sharp and surgical and is not meant to be wildly wielded, but rather correctly applied. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, 
and piercing as far as the division of the soul and the spirit, of both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. You remember when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness and Satan quoted scripture deceptively to him, but Jesus defeated him by quoting and applying the scripture appropriately, by saying it is written. It's the correct application of the word of God that is in view here. Satan loves to twist the word of God, so it is imperative that we know how to correctly use the scripture as our sword. One of the biggest traps Satan sets in the believer's life is to manipulate the usage of God's word. It's very easy to interpret the Bible out of context or to fit it to our own agenda and beliefs, which can set us on the course of destruction if we're not careful. So taking up the sword of the Spirit is our knowledge and correct application of the Scripture to defeat the enemy. And so I urge you, don't try to live for God in your own strength and with your own defenses, but take up the full armor of God and you will be able to stand against every scheme of the devil.